Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. Happy New Year, Michelle. Ah, it's 2021. We made it. We made it. With your little Mayan thing in the last episode. I know. <laughs> right at the end there. I thought we might get taken out, but alas, we did not. No, we We're still it. here. Oh, what a year, huh? What a year. 2020 indeed. in retrospective. I made a lot of sourdough bread. Mm-hmm. I stayed home all the time. Yep. I quit washing my hair for a while just because right. that seemed like a big pain. Right. Um, I, in fact, did not brush my hair today, nice. if you're curious. Joel uh, grew down his hair to almost his shoulders. Wow. So, yeah, it's been an interesting year. That's Our little great. Charlie Daniels is about <gasps> to have puppies. Yes. Any second. If well, I get a text, I'll be like, and they survived, and I'll leave. <laughs> I can't wait. We'll uh, have to post pictures. Yeah. Little German Shepherd puppies. I know. Oh, her little first litter of them. I can't Aww. wait. Oh my god, she's so neurotic. Like, she's so crazy about food right now. Oh, is if she? you like have any food, she's in your face. She's like, I'm hungry. Like, yeah, give me food. That's I got babies to feed. Aww, I love them. I can't wait. Well, good. We hope uh, your New Year's were was fun. I just did like a Discord thing with friends. Stayed home. Mm. We Still did got right. super yeah. drunk, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So did you just get, you got drunk here then? Yeah. Just yeah. you and Nicholas. I yeah. assumed you were like partying hard. Well, I was partying hard with Nicholas in our house with Discord <laughs> with like 10 friends online. But yeah, no. And then woke up to the worst hangover of your life. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. That was my New Year's. All we right. struggled to drink our tequila sunrises this morning. <laughs> Hair of the dog, you know. Yeah, we're all still suffering from New Year's. Right. Yeah, I did a lot of drinking over the holiday, mm-hmm. I think. A lot of headaches, and I've, I found that I don't think I can drink champagne, really, yeah. anymore. Just Bummer. instant headache that lasts all day and all night and all the next day. I seem to learn not to mix, you know. You what kind? Did be... you have red wine or white wine? I had uh, red wine and champagne. Oh, girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just asking for it. You and take the, yeah, some shots of... Of vodka, yes. <laughs> peppermint vodka. A peppermint Which vodka. is sweet and syrupy. Yeah. Oh, dear. In my comfort in my own house. Yeah. But, all right. Your so, body was like, nah, girl. No. You can't do that. <laughs> You're almost 30, bitch. You can't do that no more. It's amazing how that happens. It's I know. the fucking worst. I, do, I don't oh. bounce back. So, please drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make mistakes as <laughs> make I did. Make choices. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. You're going to kick. Oh, I guess we should talk about the tequila sunrises. Oh, yeah. What's in it? So she's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather die than drink any more of it. <laughs> no, it's, we decided to go with something simple and it's still morning time. So we went with orange juice. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, orange juice with a splash of tequila in it, about a shot. And then you sort of slowly pour grenadine in there. After it's all mixed up, and then it sinks to the bottom and creates a very pretty sunrise in a glass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're drinking those slowly and with a lot of trepidation this morning. <laughs> right? Whoo! All, all right. right. So, set the scene. There you go. Get a little drinker. Get set to go. So, set the scene for us, Caitlin. Yes. If you would. So, this story is about Maureen Leah, 
Okay, Maureen Leah. Um, she goes by Mo, which is cute. Mo. Yeah. I, now I want to call her Momo, but I won't. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> it is October 25th, 1980. Oh my God, the day after my birthday. It is well, the day after your birthday. I'm sorry. October 24th. I'm sorry. I just get so excited. <laughs> Not 1980, no. No, you were. I was like three by then. You were what? Three. Oh. Mo is, <laughs> Mo is a college student at Leeds Polytechnic pursuing her bachelor's degree in fine art and printmaking. Okay. So Leeds is in England. So we're overseas. I was just going to ask where, where yeah. we were. So we're in England and she is out at the pub with some friends and they were planning her 21st birthday. Okay. Hang tight. So the drinking age is different in yes. England? Okay. 16, I believe. Fuck yeah. All right. <laughs> Why have I not been living there this whole time? I left 18 right. long ago, but... So, I mean, the Trevor's birthday, uh, they're already drinking, so... But yeah. it's still exciting, you know. <laughs> but it was just after 10 p.m. when they all started to head home. Hmm. She's cutting through the university campus to catch the bus home. Okay. To her apartment. As she's going through the campus, she took a shortcut down a dimly lit street right where the bus stop is. Oh, this sounds a little scary. When she heard a voice saying, hey... How are you? That sounds okay. She thought it was someone that she knew. Sounded kind of friendly. So she turned around, and when she saw the man, she did not recognize him. Uh. She quickly said, bye, and then turned right around and started walking. Fuck yeah. She doesn't need to be nice to that guy. She felt that she knew she was in danger. Mm. And she heard his footsteps behind her. (sighs) She then just started running full on. And then she could hear him running full on behind her. Oh my God. That's terrifying. Right? So as she is screaming. Oh, now she's like, fuck it. I'm calling for help. Absolutely. Okay. So when she is screaming for help, all of a sudden she feels something hit the back of her head. (sighs) And the last thing she remembers is the payment to her face and a blackout. Oh man. So she just hit the ground. Okay. So Mo wakes up in the hospital. And realizes how injured she was. Oh, dear. Her skull was fractured. Her cheekbone was fractured as well. Her jaw was broken and had a puncture wound in the back of her skull. Oh. And many cuts and bruises. What the fuck did he hit her with? We'll get to that. Most parents came to the hospital but couldn't even recognize her with all of those oh my God. injuries to her face. Oh. Mo only survived because a couple heard her scream and intervened, and the guy got scared and ran away. Oh, thank God. Lorna Smith is the one part of the couple that oh. saved her, and they're still friends today. So I just want to, yeah. Aww. I just want to give that little, little thing. I love that. Mo spent two weeks in the hospital oh. and had to have jaw surgery on her 21st birthday. Oh, poor thing. So plans mm. fell through. Yeah. Aww. After she got out of the hospital, she spent the next two months with her parents in Liverpool. As police was investigating, they said that Mo was hit by a hammer in the back of the head. And the puncture wound was from a sharpened screwdriver, and it looks like he was trying to sever her spinal cord. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. So he just, like, had a at-home made... He was ready. Like, Mm -hmm. shiv, essentially, made out of, like, a flathead screwdriver or some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. God. And this attack matched the M.O. of the serial killer, the Yorkshire Ripper. <gasps> oh, my God. I almost told a story about the Yorkshire <laughs> really? Ripper. Yeah, because that's what the Ripper is about. I know. I watched it when I was hungover. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't 
total goosebumps. <laughs> I knew I recognized the name. Right. God damn it. She's the one with all the eyeliner. So, in the papers, they said that he targeted uh, prostitutes because the first victim was a prostitute. So, a total of seven women survived these types of attacks that he did. And some of them were not even prostitutes. Mm. Mo was not a prostitute. And the problem with that is when they said that they were attacked or, like, the police were kind of fell through because they're like, well, he's only going for prostitutes. Yeah. So, Mo goes back to school, and in the early January 1981, an arrest appeared in the media, and she instantly recognized his face. Ugh. But now there was a name to the face, and this name was Peter Sutcliffe. Mm. Police arrested him by luck when they found him with Olivia Rivers, a 24-year-old prostitute, but his car had false number plates. So he was arrested. Oh, so they ran the plates mm-hmm. and were like, hmm, this isn't right, and then arrested him. Yep. So Olivia right. was lucky, and because uh, she probably would have been murdered yep. in about 20 minutes. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. After two days of intensive questioning on January 4th, 1981, he declared that he was the Ripper. He even told officers in a very calm manner all the attacks that he could remember. Oh my god. <laughs> so Peter uh, fit the description of the Ripper, so the police went back to the scene of the arrest and they discovered a knife, a hammer, and a rope. Oh god, so, that's so why... he clearly was going to kill poor Olivia. Exactly. So that's why they had the two days of, you know, intensive... Uh, interrogation. Yeah, sorry, I skipped that part. But so on January 5th, he was charged. Peter killed 13 women and injured seven. Oh my gosh. At his trial, over a thousand people were outside waiting to see this asshole. Well, because he was kind of on the loose for a while, wasn't he? For five years. Yeah, like really terrorizing the entire mm-hmm. country. So, yeah. oh man. So everyone wanted to see who this person was. So they even had to cover him with a jacket or a blanket so no, you know, and hold people back just to get him into the courthouse. Because he'd probably be murdered on the street otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wouldn't bother me, I think. Right. At his trial, he pled not guilty to 13 charges of murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, which in England, it's our insanity plea. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit crazy, so I don't actually have to take responsibility for anything I've done. Exactly. He hmm. said when he was doing a, a digging job for uh, at graveyards, he was a grave digger, mm. and he said he heard a voice coming from a headstone. And he went to this headstone, and he said that God was talking to him and said that he needed to kill sex workers. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So four psychiatrists diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia, But the trial judge demanded an unusually detailed explanation because he was worried that Peter could have been faking it. Mm. So after a two-hour presentation, a 90-minute lunch break, and another 40-minute legal discussion, the judge rejected the dismissed responsibility plea and the expert testimonies. He's like, no. No. I don't believe any of it. This motherfucker is going to jail for reals. Absolutely. So the trial by jury was set for May 8th, 1981. So this was fast. Yeah, I thought it was, oh, because he had already been on a killing spree for five years Mm -hmm. at this point. Okay. Before poor Mo came into the picture. Exactly. Mo was one of the 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 last. last. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
The trial lasted two weeks and Peter was found guilty of murder of all 13 counts and was sentenced to 20 congruent sentences. The jury did not fall for the paranoid schizophrenia because a prison guard heard a phone call to his wife saying if he convinced people that he was mad, then he would only get 10 years in the loony bin. Hold up for one second. Yes. This motherfucker is married? He was recently married, yeah. What? Right? They didn't talk about his wife really ever. No, so. I didn't know he was married at all. Mm-hmm. God, could you imagine finding out that your fucking husband's a serial killer? I'd be devastated. No, I'd be devastated too. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, I would be judging, like, how can I judge character? Like, yeah. I probably couldn't. You can't trust your gut yeah. because you fucking married a serial killer. <laughs> right? They're very charming, though. That is true. That is very because true. Because even Mo said that his voice was friendly, and another victim said that she he walked with her for, like, 30 minutes, and she didn't feel any, any danger, danger or anything like oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Peter would have to serve 30 years before he could get parole. On July 2010, the high court issued Peter whole life tariff, meaning he was never going to get out. He's like, You're not parole. Don't yeah. even try. Yep. Don't. Don't waste our time. Don't waste our time. it ain't happening. Good. At this point, Mo went into massive denial and was diagnosed with long-term post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh. Mo tried to deal with the anguish and went back to art school and got a two-to-one degree in fine art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Life was a bit of a struggle, but it wasn't until she came across schema uh, reconditioning therapy that made a huge improvement in her life. And what this therapy is, is a, is a combination of theory and techniques from previous existing therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapy, attachment theory, a bunch of different hmm. types of I'm theories. not very familiar with many of those theories. Right. But those all helped her. With this and her therapist, uh, Nick and Eva Speakman, she was able to heal. Mm, good. This is what Mo said. I could draw a picture of him and I would rip it up the ripper. It was very empowering to see his face torn into little pieces. You can let these massive events define you, but he didn't take my being. He just attacked me. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can either get bitter and resentful or get creative. Anger is a good reason to be creative. Oh. Wow, Mo. That's awesome. So she went on to be a university university lecturer and had a successful career in teaching in the UK, America, Malaysia, and South Pacific. Dang. Mm -hmm. So she's been all over. Yes, she has. All right. And she also was an artist and she was uh she got exhibits in london los angeles and new york all right those so, are the nice the hot big spots ones. yeah if you exactly will. so it has been 40 years since the attack and mo wrote a book about her traumatic experience called facing the yorkshire ripper the art of survival okay mo is still angry that she that he was not convicted of her attack and she's angry. Oh, so he got just a, he just got convicted for the murder. Yeah. Since, since she wasn't a murder, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Oh, that would be, I think, a bit of a bummer. Well, especially because she's angry because he never admitted that he attacked her. Oh. Like, he never faced up to it. And... She's like, what the fuck, guys? What yeah, about me? Exactly. Oh. And especially the other seven or the other six victims, which is sad. Yes. But... Mo now lives in uh, Bedfordshire and still continues to draw. She states, Today, I'm really happy. I have a lovely flat. 
I'm in a beautiful place. If this book gets people hopeful, then it's got the powerful message I wanted. Hmm. The book is now available on Amazon if you would like to purchase it and read her book. I might. I might. So this... Uh, you can learn more. Netflix just released The Ripper, which mm. Michelle was talking about. It's a documentary, and it really dives into like his crimes against all these women. I just focused on Mo because she's just one of the survivors. And well, and my understanding is, um, unfortunately, the police got kind of blinded to just looking for someone who was killing prostitutes. You know, right. and so they yes. really my understanding is kind of limited themselves and they in fact interviewed him like eight times yeah a bunch of times Mm -hmm. and he looked exactly like the sketch looked and the whole thing and they were like and they just moved on because he didn't fit the profile and he didn't fit the voice of the tape that was sent in i don't want to ruin everything well also there was like a five dollar uh, note and they traced the five dollars back to where he works yes and it's just like so it's like, this guy, this guy, this guy. Nah, nah. we're going to go look over here. Exactly. So, and then they just found it because he had false, you know, they didn't get it because here's the evidence. It's like, you have false tags. Yeah, we just happened to luck upon him. Mm-hmm. Oh, right before he's about to kill again. I mean, at least they got him. They I mean, did, yeah. God. But still, they could have caught him a lot sooner. So Peter actually passed away on November 13th, 2020 due to COVID-19 complications. Who did? Oh, that motherfucker? Mm -hmm. The killer? Yep. He died of COVID this year. Or last year, because it's 2021 now. That's right. So. Huh. Damn. Damn indeed. God. Imagine, like, did he do anything else to them besides just kill him? He didn't torture them or anything, right? He, like, no, he would back. hit him with the hammer over the head and try to, yeah. But there was never any rape there. or anything. But there was a lot mm-hmm. of stabbing. There was a lot of stabbing, yeah. I do recall they, that. He just liked to sever the spinal cord. Like, so, so gross. Yeah. That's why he had the little chisel thing with the hammer. And, oh, ugh. Gross, I know, <laughs> I right? know, that is gross. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. But I'm going to be one of those people like, I could never be a serial killer. Then you kill one person, and all of a sudden you're like, you get like yeah, a, maybe it's not so bad. A taste for blood. <laughs> yeah. You just start going. No, I won't become a serial killer. Thank you, Michelle. I'll do my part. Yeah. <laughs> you're oh, going to be a dog mom. I am going to be a dog mom. Uh, Faith, my stepdaughter, she got me a sweatshirt that says... Um, Mother of dogs. That's cute. Just like the whole mother of dragons. Yeah. That's adorable. And then, of course, the adorable hand-drawn picture that she got me that I did not bring a picture of to show you, Caitlin. Thank you. What a bee. Um, well, good job, Mo. And um, you should check out her book and the documentary on Netflix. It's yeah. Great. It is good. It's. I was going to say it's very entertaining, but that's not quite the word we're looking for here. Yeah, right. It's pretty dark. But it's interesting to see how they go about the the investigation, mm-hmm. you know. And this is before the time of computers, so yeah. everything was done on, like, you know, little index cards and stuff like that. And, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my God. What a fucking... Nightmare. Nightmare. All right, Michelle. All so, right. So, uh, it's your turn for the 2021 first story of the year. No fucking pressure. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It better be good. Yeah. Otherwise, you're out. Yeah. No, no, girl, you can't get rid of me. Nice try. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're in March 6th, 2017. It's a Monday. Okay. And we're all up in Canada. Great. So this story is about Ernest Castile. It's probably not even his fucking last name. 
Castell, anyway, artist. They live in the town of Lynn Lake, which is about 600 miles northwest of Winnipeg. The city that they had been visiting, him and his partner, Alma, and their four-year-old son, which I'm going to skip his name because it's a nightmare long thing. Sorry, Wes Patsakokama. There we go. Nailed it. So they're preparing for their trip home, and they know that a snowstorm is kind of on the way, but they're hoping that they can beat it. Mm -hmm. They know they have a 13-hour drive ahead of them, and so they better get on the road. So around... What's that? That's a long time on the road. Yeah. Been on car trips. Been on car trips with you for 13 hours. 16 hours, man. Long enough. Yeah. Indeed. God, I... Drove so fucking fast on that right. drive. I was out of hand. Well, I got in my brand new car. That's and, true, yeah. You know, we were ready to rock and roll. So it's Ernest and his brother and Alma and their son. Okay. All head out at noon. And they keep on driving. And it's snowing a little bit, but not. it's not super heavy or anything. And they're just praying that the snow, that the storm stays in a different city and that they don't have to worry about it. But as they keep on driving, the blizzard is still rolling in. Mm-hmm. So they get to a town, Thompson, where they decide that it's probably best that Alma and their son stay behind mm. because um, the snow is just coming in and coming in. And so... Why do they all just stay? <laughs> yeah, actually, I was thinking the exact same thing. Maybe they had to get back to work or okay. something. All I don't right. know. Who could sense. say? And so they get to Thompson. They stop. They drop off Alma and son, and they get some coffee. And so now Ernest and brother are heading on, and they're just going to keep on rocking and rolling. Nice. So they're driving, and they're making their way. And so for hours, they just press on going north, and the sky is just growing grayer and grayer. Mm. And the snowstorm is beginning to really show itself. Right. <laughs> and there's just the snow is just billowing across the road. And it's beginning to build up on the sides. And it's just becoming a little bit more concerning. So they keep on driving. And they're getting to the point now that there's knee-high snow drifts halfway across the road. So mm. the snow is just building up on the road and building up on the road. And they're sort of debating on whether they should turn back or not. And Ernest hears a voice in his head that says, keep going. And it's a voice that he recognized um, over the years to come to trust as his guardian angel. Cute. So he's like, all right, we'll just keep on rolling. So on they went. <laughs> Soon this, the road vanished under the snow. Ugh. Now they could not see the road at all. And they could just see, like, the tire tracks behind them as they're going. They make their way around the corner, and then they see taillights. And so what they notice is a truck that had was stuck in a massive snowdrift. So, and besides the vehicle was a young man trying to tunnel free. But every time he lifted the shovel full of snow to dig it out, it just immediately got filled back in with more snow. Ugh, that's terrible. I know. Ugh. So Ernest recognized the shoveler as Corey Hart, a fellow resident in the Lynn Lake area, which is where uh, Ernest lives. So inside Corey's truck were Gordon and Dawn. They were picking up groceries in Thompson and were dressed lightly and ill-prepared for the storm. Oh, because they were far from home. Yeah. Mm. So 
There was no question that Ernest would stop. So what he did is he guided his SUV in front of the wedge truck and tried to create a trail that Corey could follow. So for an hour, they dug and pushed at the truck, attempting to work it free. And at last, they succeeded and began inching up the road. There we go. So it was pitch black by now. Nearly midnight. Ugh. I know. God. The vehicles were moving slowly through the drifts. Ernest had four-wheel drive in his SUV, and so he was cutting a path for Corey's truck to follow. So every few miles, the truck would hit a dip and sink into the snow, so everyone had to sort of clamber out of the cars uh, to dig out the truck Uh. so they could keep on moving. So they could just press ahead just a little bit more. Finally, they could go no further. There was uh, three feet of snow that had built up onto the road wow. at this point. So Ernest took stock of this situation. They were near the, I am apologize, Suwanee River, he suspected. And he knew that there was a communication tower near there that might have a landline to be able to call for help. Because at this point, they have no cell service or anything. So they end up kind of coming to a stop and they decide that it's probably best to spend the night. Yeah. And so they, uh, he dug out um, a bunch, a bag of extra clothing that he had for emergencies and gave it to the poor folks who were not prepared for the snow. Right. He had socks, sweaters, and jackets. He was um, ready. He was ready. They had a few bags of candy and some fried chicken that Corey had bought when he was in Thompson. And Ernest uh, and his brother both were actually diabetic. Uh, but they felt like they had enough to keep them sustained throughout That's the evening. Good. I know. Oh my gosh. And they did have an extra gas can with them, full nice. of gas. So they were feeling okay. Right. They could see that there was dry wood nearby in the brush. So if they needed to start a fire, they could. So the group sipped on soda and lukewarm coffee and hunkered down for the night. All right. And they fell asleep to the purr of the SUV's engine. Nice and toasty. Inside. Nice and toasty. So they knew the communication tower was not far from where they were stranded. So Ernest and his brother set out to go find just the two of them, not in the car. Like to get help? Yeah, they're going to set out for this communication tower okay. that they are pretty sure is up ahead. Oh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, the snow was up to their knees and sometimes higher, so it was pretty slow going. Mm. At last, after four hours of trudging through the fucking oh my snow, gosh. the brothers finally reach this communication tower. Oh, well, that's so, okay. It's there. It was there. <laughs> Hooray. They cheered and then used the crowbars that they had brought from the SUV to pry open the tower's doors. Inside, they found some supplies, some bottles of water and instant noodles and two phones. Oh, wow. I know. (sighs) They used one to try to dial out and then they tried using the other, but the calls just kept dropping. Oh. So unfortunately, they weren't able to like get in touch with anyone right away. So Ernest was poking around the uh, tower's bathroom when he heard his brother talking on the phone. (gasps) So his brother had managed to connect with 611 which is a hotline for cell phone repair services. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know how he, he probably was just trying anything he yeah. could think of. And so they ended up telling this cell phone repair services that they're stuck on the highway, like 35 miles south of Leaf, Leaf Rapids, where they knew in Leaf Rapids, the city had emergency crews and stuff like that. So oh, they were hoping, okay. you know, someone could come and help them. So the 611 agent passed them through to 911. Right. Okay. And so they explained the whole situation again. 
And the 911 operator promised to send help. Oh. So they... Seems like a successful trip. Yes. They're like, someone needs to send gas on a sewing machine if you can. Um, So they, at the very least, could refill the SUV's tank. So they would have heat. So their mission accomplished. They head back to... another four hours? Another four hours. The communication tower was nice and mosty toasty, but they didn't want the others to worry. Right. So they headed out. So on a piece of paper before they left, though... They left a note that says, thank you for your help and sorry about the broken door. Because they had to, like, break in. Yeah. So, by then, it was in the late afternoon. Um, The wind had started to die down. But the trail that they had made coming in was already filled in, again, (gasps) with snow. So, they had to trudge the way back that they came, making a new trail. And it took them over four hours. So, they're heading back home now. They're heading back back to the SUV. Oh, to the SUV. Yeah. So, they're going to go find the others. Okay. Um. So they just kept on going, and they finally made their way back. Yay! So exhaustion washed over poor Ernest at this point. Yeah, he's just been walking out in the fucking snow for over eight hours. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. And the snow, the snowstorm was still going. It was raging. Just going hard. Ugh. I know. Ugh. So when they got back, their, um, his Nissan SUV was completely covered. Luckily, they saw it, right? Yeah. And so there was really nothing to do, so they settled in for yet another night of sleeping in the car. So at this point, the weather outside is negative 40 degrees Celsius. So actually, I don't know what that is. Should we look it up real quick? Oh, there's a point where the Celsius and Fahrenheit intersect. So negative 40 Celsius and negative 40 uh, Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. are equal. You learn something new every day. I do learn something new. That's crazy. All right. So it's negative 40. Yeah, it's negative 40 in Celsius or Fahrenheit, as we've learned. And now we're rolling into the third night. And they have used their extra thing of gas. And they're getting down to the very bottom of their gas. So at this point, Ernest's strength is ebbing. As the car actually turned off he realized that he was no longer shaking so now they've gotten so cold that he has okay hypothermia setting in yeah that's exactly when the body core temperature drops it shakes urgently to fight to regain that heat and so if the shivering stops it means that hypothermia is moving into a much more dangerous phase so you go through a phase of just hardcore shivering and now Ernest is through that phase (gasps) and now he is just hanging out you know not shivering he's cold but he's like not as cold as he was and his he knows that his brother was in the exact same place that he was so his brother is not shivering either so it's just all dark outside and it seems so peaceful and he was just so sleepy that it might just be best to just go to sleep oh no (laughs) no but he fought to stay alive knowing that sleeping while hypothermic uh can be deadly but his eyelids were so heavy so as sleep took hold Ernest turned to his brother and said well brother it's been good And beside him, his brother was like, yes, brother, it has been good. And they closed their eyes, not knowing if they would ever wake up again. Oh, my gosh. That's so sad. (laughs) So a shock swept through Ernest's body at 3 a.m. on Thursday. 
So they left on Monday. So now we're on Holy Thursday. <laughs> and it jolted him awake. And it was as, as if his body was fighting to wake him up as like a last ditch effort to yeah. keep him alive. So he began to move around and he could feel blood rushing through his veins. And so he kind of nudged his brother and he was like, start tensing your muscles and then mm-hmm. letting him relax and tense your muscles. And so they sat there flexing their muscles until they began to shiver again. So now they're working their way out of hypothermia, or (gasps) trying to anyway. So Ernest flushed cold and then hot, but he had felt better than he had the night before when he had gone to sleep with not shivering. (laughs) And so he nudged his brother and he was like, close one, eh? And then they looked at each other and just started cracking up. So I think they're... (laughs) Maybe a little punch drunk. Yeah, maybe. So dawn broke and Ernest just lay half awake, just willing the rescue crews to come. Just for the love of God. So around 7 a.m., he heard a low rumbling that sounded like distant engines. And as it grew closer, the SUV began to shake. (gasps) It was the most beautiful noise he had ever heard, he said. And then he saw one pair of headlights and then two pair of headlights and then more. So a front end loader cut through the snow drifts with a series of vehicles lumbering behind him. So Ernest jumped out of the SUV and helped uh, the four other passengers into an emergency vehicle. Awesome. And then him and his brother hopped into one of the road crew trucks. And as it turns out, they were not the only ones stranded in the snowstorm. Uh, Just a few miles up the road, another truck had been trapped three sled dog mushers with a team of 28 dogs. Um, the animals adapted to the, they were already set to go cause they were already adapted to the cold the weather. weather. So they spent a snuggly night in their kennels and were fine. Um, <laughs> but the owners, they actually brought uh, four of the dogs up into their cab to yeah. sleep with them Aww. so they could stay warm. So everyone was snuggalicious if you will so cute there ended up being nine people stranded (gasps) for 60 hours on this road holy cow and all of them survived wow that's awesome so since then Ernest's life has gone back to normal but the blizzard was not easily forgotten everywhere he goes people ask him about the story there are lessons here too he Mm -hmm. said on one hand he knows that none of this would have happened if he hadn't tried to beat the storm on the other hand if he hadn't driven past Thompson he would never have been able to help the people in the truck. Right. And so that's what he felt like his, the voice of his guardian angel was saying to is find these people. to find the people and to help they them. They probably all. would not have made it if they hadn't come along. Wow. Um, and yeah, so he continues to trust that guardian angel voice to this day. If I was his wife, I probably would be sending people out there though, right? You will, and actually it does say that, that okay. she is like freaking out and send it like calling as many people she can find and no one knows where they are and so she's hectically trying to get help for them um what's good she stayed back with the sun because oh yeah well and god could you imagine walking for eight hours absolutely not i already hate the snow like i love looking at snow it's beautiful if i need to like walk in it for a long period of time or drive in it it's like hard pass yeah that's what I like about Oregon is there's just not a lot of snow here. We don't get snow. Yeah. No. Unless you drive up to the mountains. Yeah. Which I don't, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope pass on that. So. Oh, Lord. It oh. was a good story. Anyway. A good I was just thinking, yeah, I was thinking for the winter. Yeah, right? Is it snowing? 
No. No. Mm-hmm. It's just raining, which I love. The rain can stay, the snow can go. Yeah. Eat shit. Exactly. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that they were prepared. It sounds like everyone was prepared for the worst. Which... I know, except for poor Corey and friends. Yeah. Let's but... just go to the store and get some donuts, you know? <laughs> yeah. They got fried chicken, Caitlin. Oh, sorry. That's right. <sighs> mm, fried chicken does sound good. I guess, yeah. <laughs> or a donut, you know, whichever. Either way. Mmm, delicious. And some coffee. Mm. Yeah, sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds nice. Ooh. So, uh, awesome. Yeah, so we hope you have, hopefully, a way better 2021 than 2020, for sure. This time last year, I had shingles, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So far, it's been okay. So, so far, yeah. your, your 2021 is rocking a little bit harder yeah. than 2020. Exactly. Here's I just feel year. like you at least celebrated the New Year's right. I think so. I did. Yeah. I think I did. I think I did pretty good. And social distance. So that's right. There we go. Um, well done. So yeah. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Please follow us on all social platforms at I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now. Email us at I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now at gmail.com. And check out our website. Stay should, warm. Yeah. Keep lots of supplies in your car. Absolutely. I, I don't even like, have like snow clothes. God, I have one granola bar that's been in my car for like four years. That was, that was on accident, too. <laughs> yeah, no shit, it was on accident. Uh, all right. Oh, God. Hope you guys have a great year. Thanks. <laughs> all right, I mean, see you next time. Okay, <laughs> bye. Fuck you. <laughs>